Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, it's a Livelink Sunday. And that means as we've done all year long, since February I think, First Sunday of every month, we're connecting live into our Mandurah campus. Hi to everybody there, Pastor Ray and Kate. I'm excited about what God is doing. I was thinking this morning that at the beginning of this year, when God told us that this would be the year of beginnings, that would be the the thing all the way through, I always felt like it wasn't beginnings only at the start, but there would be beginnings all the way through the year. And that's proven to be the case. There's been significant changes right across the life of our church. And can I just say to you, sometimes they're ones that you've planned or that you're aware of or that you're ready for. And sometimes they're things that you know nothing about. But, but God is often in those ones that you know nothing about, just as surely as He is in the ones that you are aware of and we're working towards. So we're believing for Mandurah that God is going to do extraordinary things in this next season for you as a church. And I'm just believing for so many people in Mandurah to come into the kingdom. We're not trying to rearrange the deck chairs on the ocean liner and gather the, from that church or that. We want to see people coming to Christ, and I know you do as well. So keep believing for that, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how God's going to unfold it. Let me say hi as well to Newman, to our family up there, to Mel and Thomas. God bless you. Let me say hi to all the people that are somewhere or other else around the world right now. Sebastiano's in Italy. Hello, Sebastiano. Uh, the Nordhomes have already gone to Sweden. Hello in Sweden, because Sven, I know, gets an alert on his phone wherever he is around the world and sits there and takes part in church. Hi, Sven, how you doing? And uh, tuck, because that's the only Swedish word I know, uh, apart from sustroming. We don't want to use that one because it's their rotten fish dish. All right, let's go to the Word together this morning, Matthew chapter 1. We're starting this brand new series on Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, she's engaged. Before they came together, before they were married, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. In other words, he said, you know, this isn't mine, but, you know, I don't want to embarrass you. So how about we send you off somewhere where no one will know? But while he thought about these things, how many people know God knows what you think? He knows everything that's going on in your brain right now. That's a bit scary sometimes. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. He did not need an ultrasound or a scan to know that it was going to be a child, a boy. The angel told him it's going to be a boy. I've tried over the years guessing prophetically uh, what they're going to have. I reckon I'm right about 50% of the time, which is about as good as my dog could guess, I'm pretty sure. Uh, not that great, but the angel came and said, it's going to be a son. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people 
From their sins, Jesus means the one who saves. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The very first name that's given to the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, is Jesus, the one who saves. Why? Because that's the starting point for every relationship with God. If you want to begin walking with God, your first port of call is to say, Jesus, I need you to save my life. Can I say right now, we live in a world where we are told we're all sufficient, we know so much, we've got so much technology, we've got so much resource, we know more than any generation has ever been on the planet. And yet somehow or other, as a people on the planet, we still need to be saved. We still need somebody bigger than us, somebody greater than us. We still need somebody who knows more than we do. Can I get an amen this morning? So, you know, you read your paper. I heard one of our politicians this past week say, despite all the education we've done around this social issue, apparently nothing has changed people's behaviours. Why? Because it's never just about rules. We need somebody to come and transform and save us. And the starting point for walking with God is not what you've done, it's what He's done. You may have done a lot of things. You may have done things that were wrong or bad or hurtful or harmful. You may have done things that you regret or things were done to you that you regret. But thank God for Jesus, the one who comes and saves. Amen. His name is Jesus because He will save and He still does. But the second name given to Him is not King. Not King of Kings. The second name given to Christ is not Christ. The second name given to Jesus is not Lord or Lord of Lords, like we might expect the all-powerful, the ruling one. But the Scripture says the very next name that He is given, that identifies Him, is this name Emmanuel. Now in the Scripture that I put up, by the way, it's spelled I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Some other versions will have E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Well, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L is the Hebrew way of spelling Emmanuel. I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L is the Greek way of spelling it. And because the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, it's spelt that way there. And in the New Testament, written in Greek, it's I-M-M. So now you know, in case you're wondering, don't these people know how to spell his name? Yes, we do, but it's... We're choosing to use the Hebrew spelling for this month, all right? Just thought I'd clear that up. Some of you go, I didn't know there was two ways to spell it. Well, now you do. Just go and impress someone this week with that. The second name given to Christ is not King or Lord, but it's Emmanuel, God with us. Why? I think the reason is that God with us means that what He starts, He continues. So he saves, Jesus, the one who saves. And the very next revelation of his nature is God who is with you. 
God who stays with you. He saves me, but he's still with me. He saved me. That's a point in time and an ongoing journey with him. But he keeps going on the journey. Now, I've never had the misfortune to be uh, in difficulty in the ocean at a beach. I've never had the, the uh, misfortune to have to raise my hand and hope that somebody up there wearing the red and yellow cap was watching and would swim out strongly and save me. I've never had the, the opportunity or the need for that. But you know, as great as our surf lifesavers in Australia are, even if they save you, they don't drive you home. Pause a minute, think on that. They don't go home with you. They don't go back and advise you on your job. They don't come into your home and talk to you about raising your family or how you ought to do your marriage or how you ought to do your job or your career. In other words, their saving you is a moment, but then that stops. Whereas this verse tells me that the one who saves continues with me. He saves me, but he stays with me regardless of what comes my way. Jesus saves and he continues. Well, probably the greatest picture of this, I think, in the Bible is Psalm 23. It's just six verses, but they describe God with us. So let's read it together. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And that's Jesus, the one who saves, the restorer, the healer, the shepherd of my soul. But then verse 4, the whole picture changes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, watch it, right in the middle of the darkest hour, the worst spot, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are Emmanuel. You save me, verse 1, 2 and 3. Verse 4, thank God, listen, thank God I don't have to go back to the still waters to find my help. Come on. Thank God I don't have to go back and go, Jesus the Saviour is back there somewhere or other. Some of you became Christians a long, long time ago. You don't have to go back in time. You don't have to go back to the same church, the same place, the same lounge room or wherever it was that you gave your life to Christ because Jesus the Saviour doesn't stop with the Saviour. He is God with us. I will fear no evil, even though I'm in this place. Why? Because you're not only Jesus who saves, you are Emmanuel, God with us. He restores my soul. So I'm there saved and going great, but it's not long before I need His second name for my life. The truth is what He starts he continues in your life. Thank God that he's more than the one who saves. Thank God he's more than the lifesaver dragging you out, giving you the whatever they do, mouth to mouth, and all that stuff. Yep. And, uh, and then when you feel fine, kind of putting you back up to where your beach towel is and saying, see you later, I've done my job. Thank God, listen to me. Thank God Jesus has never uttered about any human being. He's never ever said, 
Thank God I've done my job. It's all over. Don't need me anymore. Call me. You know where I am. Where are you, Lord? Oh, I'm back at the still waters. I'm back at the green pastures. Because how many know sometimes the still waters are no longer still. Now they are turbulent. Now there's wind and waves. Now there's buffeting. Sometimes it's not green pastures. Sometimes you can't find any green anywhere. Thank God he continues. That's the first great thing about God with us. Here's the second one. God with us means regardless of what you're in or how you got there, he's with you. Regardless of what you're in or how you got there, he's with you. Listen to Matthew 28 verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's almost like at the beginning, before his birth, we hear, I'm with you, God with us. And then at the end, as his earthly life has come to a a conclusion after the crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead, and he's just about to ascend into heaven. And the last thing he wants you to know is what? Regardless of where you are, regardless of how you got there, I'm with you always. And then he adds this codicil on at the end. He said, even unto the end of the age. In other words, he's saying, there's no end to my withness in your life. Look at Hebrews 13 verse 5, just to give you another one. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, Psalm 23 and verse 4 doesn't tell us how this guy got into the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't tell us how long he's been there. It doesn't even say how long it's going to take for him to get out. We have no idea about why. We don't know whether he took a wrong turn, whether it was just part of the track. We don't know whether life bought it or the devil bought it or what or or somebody else did it. All we know is this, is that he's there. And it doesn't tell us how long he's going to be there. All it tells us is this, as long as you're there, I'm there. I don't know about the rest of you here, but I've, I've pondered on this whole thing in Emmanuel for weeks now going, I feel like it's so simple that it would be easy to reduce it to a cliche and a Christmas card. Emmanuel, you know, or, or to sing one of the Christmas carols about Emmanuel and to reduce it to some kind of mind space spot where we think like, well, yeah, that lovely, it's one of the names of Christ. But what it means is this. It means as long as you're there, Jesus is saying to you, I'm there. I don't know what you're in this morning or what you've been in, but I do know, listen to me, I do know this, as long as you're there, he's there. Here's the third thing. God with us means that there can be loss of fellowship, but never loss of relationship. There can be loss of fellowship, 
but never loss of relationship. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He gets the father's inheritance, goes to a far off country. He's nowhere to be found. Dad doesn't know the address. He hasn't sent a postcard home. He hasn't Skyped in or FaceTimed in and said, hey, dad, don't worry, I'm okay. He's just a long way off. Dad doesn't know if he's got enough or what's going on. But son is out there spending everything that took his father a lifetime to earn and to build. He spends the whole lot, it's all gone. He can't get a job doing anything, but the Jewish boy takes the only job he can get feeding pigs, the most unclean animal for him. And he gets so desperately hungry that at one point he will fight the pigs to get their food. It's at that moment that he realises that back home, even the lowest servant, even the person with the least job for father, well, he would have been better cared for. And he says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go home. Watch this. He says, I'm going to go home and tell dad, I'm sorry I lost our relationship. I'll start a new one as servant. Born in the house, born to be the son, he says, I'm, I'm thinking that it's time. The relationship has obviously changed. And he's ready to go home and step into a completely different role. No longer dad, now it would be, would be Mr. Whatever. No longer staying in the house. No longer getting up and having breakfast with dad. Dad, it's no longer even that. I'll be a servant. And he comes home prepared to be the least servant of all. There is no doubt whatsoever that fellowship was broken. No doubt whatsoever that he lost fellowship with the father. But here's the thing. Read this story yourself when you get home, Luke 15. You'll discover that the father knew the fellowship had gone, but that's where they both drastically differ on what they think. The son comes home going, I've lost relationship, but the father waits at the front gate waiting for a son, not a servant. In other words, the father says, you know what? You're always my son. No matter what you've done, no matter how you screwed up, I'm not asking you about the money. I don't want to know how bad it's been. You don't have to justify anything to me. Isn't it good that you don't have to justify your past to God? Isn't it good you don't have to go to God and tell him all the reasons why it's not your fault? That's what Adam did. Goes to God and says, you know, after he eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not an apple tree, of course. That's just a cartoon. But he eats of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as soon as God says, what is, what's happening? He starts going, the woman you gave me, he fires both barrels, it's her fault and yours. Because if you'd never gave her to me, I wouldn't have been tempted. You made me like her, it's your fault. Huh? The whole, the whole thing, he fires that off. But you know what? The father never asks him any of that. I, I hope I'm getting this across to you. Because sometimes we mistake the truth of He is with you for a feeling of God is with me. We look into our feeling sensor to go, is God, I don't feel like God's close to me anymore. Well, the Scripture says, I'll never leave you. 
I'll never forsake it. I can lose fellowship with God. And I think every Christian knows what that's like. You do something that you shouldn't and you feel like, oh, something's gone wrong. Can I tell you that's a loss of fellowship, not a loss of relationship? You are still, uh, come on. Anybody here ever had a friend you just had a falling out with? But they were still your friend, even though they were a complete bozo. That was Australian for buffhead. I know that's another Australianism uh, for, I can't think of what a word would be in another language. Anyway, we've got so many of those in Australia because we like to let everyone know that's what we think. Any parent here ever had a child misbehave? You didn't go and get their birth certificate and tear it up and say you're not mine anymore. How dare you burp at the table? That's disgusting. Huh? You don't do that, do you? Of course you don't. Why? Because a loss of fellowship. How many people here have ever sent a child or been sent as a child to your room? Come on. Come on. How many here have ever been, when you're a kid, mum or dad said, go to your room? How many of you never even had a room because you're just too poor to have your own room? How many of you... How many of you, they just said, go stand in the corner? You go, I can't, my brother's already there. We had seven kids. It was only four corners. We had to take turns. It's my turn in the corner. And then when dad built a round room, we keep going around looking for the corner. When that happens as a child, there's very definitely a loss of fellowship. But there's never a loss of relationship. Now, I know sometimes I, I've been around long enough to have met some places where actually a loss of fellowship meant a loss of relationship. And I'm sorry if you grew up like that, but let me point you again to Luke 15. Luke 15 says, even if there's a break of fellowship, there's no break of relationship. The father is waiting for his son, not a servant. Whatever you're walking into, he's with you. Now, when I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly that somebody either here in front of me or, or you're watching this somewhere or other, that somebody here, you've had a break of fellowship with someone you love, family. And I felt the Holy Spirit say so clearly, tell them it's a loss of fellowship, not a loss of relationship. Make contact again. Phone home. Let someone know. You go, but Jeff, you don't understand. You know, they've been out of my life. Sometimes for years that may have been the case. But you know what? No matter what's happened, you're still family. Make the contact, I believe, is the word of the Holy Spirit for you, if that's you today. There's been a loss of fellowship. Here's the fourth thing that God with us means. First of all, it's, what he starts, he continues, whatever I'm in or however I got there, he's there with me. The third one, there can be loss of fellowship and never loss of relationship. The fourth one is God with us means he supplies what I lack. I know what I want when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. What I want is a helicopter. 
I want to be out really fast. But what I lack when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death is I lack strength. He says, your rod and your staff, your authority and the symbol of your power. He says, that's what I bring. You've got to read the scripture and understand God says, when I'm with you, I'm bringing the part of me that you need the most. So you need strength. I'm turning up with that. He doesn't say I'll turn up with what you want. Let me give you an illustration. I remember as a kid coming home with homework and saying to mom, I think it was, as I sat around the kitchen table, she's cooking or whatever she was doing. And I said, mom, I can't figure out this sum. Well, what I wanted from mum, I wanted the answer. Let's say it was five times eight. Let's start simple. Five times eight. What I wanted mum to say was, it's 40, write it down. But instead of saying the answer, mum gave me not what I wanted, but what I lacked. She'd say, well, you know, you're five times table, don't you? And I go, well, obviously not well enough. She says, well, what's... Five times one, one times five, I go five. What's two fives? Ten. What's three fives? Fifteen. What's ten fives? Ten fives. Ten fives. Oh, that's easy. You get the numerator and you put a zero in the answer. The answer is 50. So she goes, well, eight times five would be 10 minus two equals eight, wouldn't it? I go, yeah. The whole time I'm saying, mum, you don't understand. All I want is the answer. It'd be a lot simpler and a lot quicker. But see, mum wasn't giving me what I wanted. She was giving me what I lacked. Sometimes we pray and ask God, give me what I want. He says, no, 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 wrong question. I'm about to give you what you lack. So mum would take me through the process. And so 10 minus 2 equals 8. So 10 times 5 is 50. 2 times Five is 10, so eight would be 50 minus 10. I go, good gracious, me, mum. How many of you are confused right now? How many of you just saying, just shut up and give me the answer? I've got a space in my notes. I'm waiting for 40, write down 40. Isn't that true? So many times I'd ask dad to help. And what I wanted dad to say was, this is what you'd, this is it. Here's the answer. And instead of that, he'd make me learn something. Why do parents think their job is to teach you stuff? I remember my mother-in-law teaching me how to iron. She wasn't my mother-in-law then. Just happened to be somewhere I was boarding at their house. And uh, I remember Mary, she was a seamstress, Rhonda's mum, saying, darling, you don't know how to iron anything, do you? I go, no, because I've got a mother. I had a mother. She's a long way away now. And I just opened the cupboard and it was ironed. I don't know how it got there. It was just ironed. I didn't know how to wash anything apart from me. Just, I turned up, it was washed. Mary says to me, darling, she always calls me that. Darling, let me teach you. And she went and got the iron and got a shirt. And said, first of all, we iron the collar. Then we iron the yoke. 
I didn't even know shirts had a yoke. I said, surely you're yoking. Yeah, right. Okay, that was, that was, hey, it's Christmas. Cut me some slack. Then we iron the sleeves. Then we turn it over and do the top and the back and all that stuff. And then she says, there, you try. I don't want her to try. I'm going, you're the seamstress. Just iron stuff. Isn't it true? So often, God with us means he supplies what I lack, not what I want. I know this would be a, you're all amening at this point. You're going, amen. Oh, I wanted that. Because some of you have been praying, oh, God, just shut up and give me the answer. I don't want to learn anything. I just want this fixed. Just waiting in case he changes his mind. But he wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm sitting down there in the valley of the shadow of death, sucking my thumb, praying, oh God, aren't you my saviour? Can't you just save me? Just get me out of here. And he goes, hold a second. You missed my second name. I'm Emmanuel. I'm God with you. So I'm going to be with you. And then you go, but surely you're with me to get me out of here. And he goes, I'm with you to guide you out. Are you with me? What I want is to feel better. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, the apostle Paul discovered this. He said he had a problem, something so bad he just didn't think he could continue on. There was no way for him to be able to keep going forward with what God had called him to do. And he asked God to take away this issue, whatever it was. And he says three times the Lord spoke to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength gets made perfect In weakness, get it again. You've got weakness. He says, I'm going to supply what you lack. Not what you want. What you want, Paul, is to get rid of it. I'm going to supply what you lack. You lack strength. I'm going to give you the strength in the middle of this thing that you're in. I'm going to give you the strength so that you can keep on going. Truth is, I don't need God's strength when I'm strong. And most of the time, if I'm honest, I actually want to live a life that doesn't need God. Amen. I want to to live a life where there's never any sickness, so I don't need to ask God for healing. I'll just be strong forever. I want to live a life where I've got so much money, I never need to ask him for resources. Give us this day our daily bread. I want to live a life where everyone likes me so I never have to ask his strength to forgive somebody who's being a bozo. Hello, are you with me here? Are you getting this? See, he's with us. Emmanuel God with us, not Emmanuel sending a drone. Wind us up. Beam us out of this, Scotty. Again, as a, this doesn't always happen, but as I'm preparing this message, I felt there were people here and you're watching this or listening to this. And you, you have been saying for the last couple of months, some of you, I don't think I can keep on going. I just don't see how I can continue. The pressure's too much. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to make it. And I really want to stop right now in the middle of the preaching. 
I want to stop and pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to show me who you are. God knows who you are. He told me that there'd be people watching this and you're saying this about yourself. I just don't think I can keep on going. Can we stop for a minute and say, God, would you supply what we lack? Maybe he'll fix it and it's all over. Or maybe he's just going to say, I'm going to come and bring you what you don't have. I'm going to be God with you in the middle of this, no matter what. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, for whoever those people are, because Lord, I know it's more than one. Lord, wherever they are, someone's sitting at their computer watching this on the, the YouTube channel. And they've been thinking that, I, I just don't think I can keep on going. That wayward child is just way too much. God, I, I don't think I can take anymore. The internal pressures that are there, the financial squeeze that's been about them. God, you know, I pray for those people right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you will be Emmanuel to them right where they are. There's people, I can see them right now. You're in a study somewhere in your home. You're watching this. And right now, you know, as you're crying out to God, God, I don't think I can keep on going. He says, I'll be Emmanuel for you. I'll be Emmanuel for you. Some of you that are right here in front of me right now in Mandurah, in Newman, you're saying, God, I don't think I can keep on going. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to be Emmanuel. I'm going to be there with you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the fourth one is, he supplies what I lack. Here's number five, the last one. God with us means he turns my troubles into triumphs. You know, when you're a pastor, which I am, you don't fly in and fly out. You do life with people. And I've been around long enough to have Hatched, matched, and dispatched. I've dedicated the babies, married the couples, and buried them that went to heaven. So I get to do life with people, and I, I love that actually. I love that I get to do real life. I love that my first calling is not to be a preacher, but to be a pastor, to be someone that shepherds sheep, that cares for people, that wants to make sure they're spiritually going well and that their life is seeing the blessing of God on them. And because of that, I get to see lots of troubles in people's lives. I don't read about them in a book. I'm up close and personal with people that have walked through all kinds of challenge and difficulty. And all of our team do that, by the way. We've got a great pastoral team of people that make sure there's too many for one person to do, but we can do it together. And so I've watched over the years where people have walked through some of the greatest problems, terrible difficulties. And then I see them now, sometimes years later, and the pain has been swamped by blessing that's come their way. Even though if you told them that at the time, they'd say, that, that's, too, that's too ridiculous. That, that's, I'm not sure that'll ever happen. But I've seen over and over again where Emmanuel has walked with people and turned their troubles into triumphs. Daniel chapter 3, you've heard of these guys most likely, three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They served under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. They were slaves actually. And they built a great big statue of King Nebuchadnezzar and 
He sent out a declaration. Everyone had to bow and worship it. And they said, we won't. We'll only worship the God of heaven. When he heard about it, he was so angry at them. They're the only ones who said no. So angry that he ordered that they be bound with the strongest cords and that the strongest men of Babylon would throw them into a furnace heated not just hot enough, but seven times hotter than hot. So hot that as the strongest men of Babylon opened the door to the furnace, they fell down dead from the heat that came bursting out of that fiery furnace. These guys in this place are absolutely destined for trouble. Verse 23, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counsellors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to him, True, O king. I get goosebumps at verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Emmanuel. God with us. Thrown into a fiery furnace. Into a dark and difficult and distressing place. Bound. And Jesus turns up. The fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus turns up and he's in the fire, walking around, having a conversation. Can I say to you today, with all gravity of heart, please come, team. Can I say to you this? There's someone in the fire with you. You're not alone. You may not know anybody else here in this church. You may not have any Christian friends. You may not have any support network. You may not have people that are praying for you. But if you're in a fiery furnace, someone has turned up to be in the fire with you. Story doesn't stop there. Daniel chapter 3 verse 30. Same chapter. Says this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Their trouble became their triumph. I don't know about you, can you imagine having been there? What? I always think about these things and wonder what happened afterwards. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went home to their slave quarters. Everyone said, what did that feel like? How's that? You know, I'll guarantee that they said, you know what, we thank God for the furnace. Because it was in the furnace that we found the fourth man. Amen.
Can I just stop for a minute and say thank God for all the trials, all the challenges, all the heart wrestlings that life has brought our way. If the end result of those is that I find the fourth man, we sing a song, my chains are gone, my heart is free. And that's not a song about life is always brilliant and I've never got a problem. It's a song about Emmanuel, God with us. Psalm 23, we stopped at verse 4, the valley of the shadow of death. But verse 5 goes on, says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, healing my mind. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's stand for a minute. Let's stand for a minute, no matter where you are. I, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're in. I don't know why you're there, how you got there, how long you've been there, how long before you get out. I just know this. Come on. I just know this. He's Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he's Emmanuel. I just know he's Emmanuel, God with us. I just know he's the fourth man in the fire. I just know regardless of why I'm in there, whether it's a good reason like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, or whether it's a Psalm 23, and I don't know, maybe it was his fault. I just know that the fourth man stands in heaven saying, Father, they're there and I'm Emmanuel. I've got to be with them. I've got to go where they are. I've got to get beside them. And the Father says, but heaven, look look how good heaven. He says, no, I'm Emmanuel. That's my second name. I save and I stay. 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 Father, help us today in the name of Jesus. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us, Lord. You said you'd be with us for all time to the end of the age. You said, Lord, you started something and you will finish what you start. Whether we're in the fire and it's so hot, it simply serves to reveal Emmanuel to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship.